Miley Cyrus loves the podcast. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> she's like, what the fuck? Who the fuck is this? Don't worry. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Cats with Tin Hats. Uh, you're joined here with Oliver. And Tucker. And after a great alien month, we are back continuing... Our uh, Once Upon a Time in the Hollywood series, where now we're just looking at documentaries about Charles Manson. Tucker and myself were looking at The Six Degrees of Helter Skelter, directed by Mike Dorsey. Wyatt was looking at Manson, music from an unsound mind, directed by Tom O'Dell. Now, before we actually start talking about the Manson murders and Charles Manson himself, uh, let's just get into a bit of the form of the documentaries. Uh, your different thoughts. We'll start with Six Degrees of Helter Skelter then go to Manson, music from Nunsound Mind, and you can tell us about that, and then we'll just go back to this, and then... Sort of, yeah, we'll figure it out as we go along. <laughs> so, what's your thoughts of uh, Six Degrees of Helter Skelter? Um, I really like it. Uh, the guy who made this also runs a podcast, a Dearly Departed podcast, and he runs a, uh, a tour company, so I really find that his stuff seems to be... That he has done a lot of research, yeah. and I and I really like it. The um, the documentary, it, it really is six degrees, right? It's like it seems like every it these murders touched a lot of people who were high profile celebrities, and especially '69, but just throughout Hollywood over time. Just you know, like if it's Frank Sinatra to anybody who started picking up speed in the '60s, I mean. I think this documentary really shows just the the change that happened in 69 and, and it was all sparked by these murders. Yeah. Or not all, but this murder really threw it over its edge. Uh, one thing that I did like about this doc is right at the back is all the facts you need to know before going deep diving. And then you see Mike Dorsey at home with all his paraphernalia of murders of Hollywood. Yeah. And he even talk, talks about other tour guides saying, yeah, they're not the most trustful people, but... Mm-hmm. at least I do my research, I know what I've got, I've got this from this place, with this from this place, and he's just solidifying his claim to know what he's talking about. Yeah, and like, I used to watch YouTube videos with him, and he's got like, weird stuff, like he's got the Gacy paintings, and he specializes in the weird, wacky stuff, and he does like, I know that he does like a lot of the, the you know, he knows a lot of the history of, of uh, of Cali in LA. Like, just all the stuff that you really need to know. Wouldn't surprise me if he talked to Quentin or something happened there. Yeah. Because also, one thing, it, it was a bit jarring for me because he does talk about so much information and he yeah. does it in a linear format. Mm-hmm. He's literally walking in the footsteps of everything that happened in 69 and even before leading up to the murders and even after. Mm-hmm. But it was just. For me, wrapping my head around the constant going back and forth between the Mansons, Ferentay and all that, and all, all the other stuff that was going around at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess one question is, having prior knowledge of Manson before going into this, was it a lot easier to just get the storyline going down? Or did you also find it a bit jarring in the fact that it's jumping between three different points constantly? Like, no, for me, knowing, like, list, I've listened to a ton of podcasts on Manson before this, and I, and I find it helped me because I knew the groundwork of it all. Like, I knew 
what was coming. Some of the stuff I didn't know, uh, you know, the the lots of Papa encounter and and a lot of those, those things and the stuff afterwards. Like it was very glazed over from what I know. Where it was like, oh yeah, and then they went to Death Valley, and that was it. So going there was a little jarring for me, but I found it was like, I know what you mean because it's like, and then it's suspected that they came here. And this is also where this happened, mm. and this happened, and this happened, and it's like holy crap! But that's that's the city of L.A., right? Yeah. It's like, you know, for every one place that something's happened, twelve things have happened there, and at, and even in Vancouver, it's the same way, right? It's like the art gallery, like doing the doing filming locations or anything like that. It's like there's twelve things there, and it's like, and I know what you mean, where it's like you're talking about one thing, but it's like, holy shit, there's so much stuff here. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Mm. But it, it helped me. Uh, it, what, having prior knowledge helped throughout the, right. the story. Right. I guess one thing that also makes this documentary very approachable, it's not trying to be something... It's not like with a lot of Netflix documentaries, you do see a lot of, oh, sit-down interviews, very broad topics, just a lot of drone footage, a lot of aerial skylines, and then... Fancifying where so no, this guy's on the ground in front of the house, in front of the location, just talking to you, almost like a YouTube video. He invites you right there with him, saying, yeah. "Hey, this is this. This is where I'm at. Let's talk to someone who lives in now." And it's like, and you're watching it, and you can see that he has like nothing to do with a lot of this. He's like, actually, my friend that I talked to allowed me into this because I talked to him. But even the ones that he hasn't asked permission, you can hear it because he's like, "All right, so this is the house." And then as soon as he starts walking closer, he's like, "Okay, so we." he's like whispering like <laughs> yeah it goes straight to voiceover as well yeah. on a lot of them and it's like i don't he's like i think that he's like he, he's walking up and he's like just get a couple quick shots <laughs> let's not get noticed and a little terrified right but with the netflix doc it's like get a drone shot over the right. pool where steve mcqueen used to swim and we're getting cool shots and getting all that stuff that makes it look all crispy and clean but you know the raw footage this yeah. was like, this was like, all right. Real style. Yeah, you want, you want the guy who's like, hey, what are you doing? It's like, get my lawn. Oh, I'm just drop my contact. What? Just drop the contact. <laughs> I'm looking. Who else can? It's like, what? Just make it quick. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, guys. He believed it. We're good. <laughs> Walking in the backyard. Um, <laughs> what the hell are you doing in my backyard? Nothing, man. Just Nothing, man. My dog. It's, it's, it's here, right? Because even the coroner, he got to read all the forms, and I was like, yeah, he, he was the one on it, but don't worry, he didn't give us any information that was already, like, public access. He's not crossing any boundaries. It's all stuff that you can research yourself. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's not any, like, top-secret stuff he's talking about. And he goes, this is a research that's publicly available, and I'm just laying it, laying down the groundwork for all of you guys at home. Yeah, with a professional, which, mm-hmm. is, which is really cool. Like, especially in that sense where... You go through all the things that they've done and you hear about like, okay, what was considered the fatal blow in a lot of yeah. these murders? Like what it, and like going through with a professional and hearing the shit, it's like, oh my God, like just the brutality How long did they suffer until they finally died? And it's like how many times were they stabbed and how many, like what happened? Was it like 40 sometime or something? I want to say, the guy, what's his name? Um, Frakowski got stabbed 52 times. Folger got stabbed 21 times and she got stabbed in the face multiple times. Sharon got stabbed 16 times and Jay got shot 
by Tex Watson. It was and then stabbed seven times after that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, it's brutal, and they were gonna string him up and fucking. We'll get into it yeah. because the the shit they were talking about doing is very uh, witchy. Yeah, it's <laughs> like if you got if you got kids listening, fuck, turn it off because what are you doing? You're a terrible parent. <laughs> Just kidding. Come on, Mike. Right, so before we get too far into the Manson and Manson family and the murders, we'll switch over to Manson music from an unsound mind. So why? How was that documentary? Honestly, I I didn't know. I did not know anything about it. I just like it was kind of, it was kind of cool because like it was before he like it was kind of just, they're talking more about before he went crazy before okay. or like he was always crazy but before like the murders. And they do, you know, of course, they talk about the murder stuff, but it's like, but mostly about his music career, and, and, um, this one guy, I'm gonna read it out, by Simon Wells, who was Charles Manson's biographer, said that, uh, like, the story of Charles Manson is a story of, uh, rejection and a collapse. It was the disintegration of Manson's dreams that allowed the madness to rise. So that kind of puts, so that, you know, that was, I think, the opening, like, Minute thirty or minute two minutes of the of the, of the doc. So yeah, it's cool to see like like how he knew everybody. Like he knew Terry Melcher, he knew Brian Wilson, he knew both Dennis Wilson, Neil Young, John Phillips, Buffy Saint Marie, and then more, and probably more other people too. Right? Those are wow. just the names. Still the names they said, mm. but um, yeah. When we say like he what, knew. He, he knew everybody. He knew, and, and they were allowing him in the studio to play. And they were like, you know, they said like um, Terry Melcher and uh, Brian Wilson were looking at, like they were like they were invested in this guy. Because did he record an album? Yeah, That's but all? yeah, they recorded. But it never was released just because of the murders. Oh, okay. He recorded, or maybe not an album, but he recorded some songs where they they were they were off, like they're they're available somewhere, but there's they've they, never been printed. So he had recorded. Terry Melcher was not a huge fan of him. Dennis liked his songs, and then all of a sudden Brian Wilson comes in, tries to buy these songs rights, and all of a sudden now song credits and rights and all this yeah. shit mm. gets into play because Dennis is all that shit happened, and then mm. they're trying to make back money, right? And yeah, we'll get into it. Right. <laughs> we're jumping. We're jumping kind of but, everywhere, but you get happier with him, right? Because yeah. so much. Like when we say that a lot of people in LA, a lot of the high profile musicians and even actors at the time this touched a lot of people like this is in the the era of 60s rock and roll where that canyon literally produced millions of people who who now we know as you know founders of rock and roll mm. frank zappa lived there yeah. tom petty like even the mamas and the papas lived there mama cass lived right there and like a lot of these high-profile musicians and actors lived in that valley, and that's that's how they like a lot of people. They were all intertwined, right? Yeah. Parties and shit in L.A. Well, exactly, right? It's insane. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, again, I mean, you know, they they did have a couple of like the songs on there. I don't know how they got it. Probably you know, like Hollywood, right? It's, yeah. I don't think it was a pretty, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty decently made doc, so I'm assuming they had money. Like, he didn't sound too bad. Like, he sounded like, you know, like, at the time, like, he had, like, a very, like, kind of reminded me of, like, a Hank Williams, kind of that kind of country twang, very much, like, um, I wrote it down here, hold on, um, like, kind of like, I don't know where, but, uh, fuck, 
Um, oh, here you go. So, like, yeah, so, like, his music, like, as a kid, at least, like, I'm not, I know I'm jumping around everywhere, but, like, he, at first when he was getting, like, you know, had a very country, very Latin church kind of-esque to it, because I think it's how he grew up, too, like, you know, being in, you know, being in L.O., probably, you know, foster home, prison, mm-hmm. having all that stuff, and, uh, like I said, like, yeah, like, and, like, he jammed with all these guys, like, he, and, like, Tucker was saying, like, well, those people... They said, hey, like, I like your music, your music, like, but, or, like, I, like, I, you know, you are, you're talented, but your music's not for me, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of, it was just cool, like, seeing him, like, you know, let them talk about, like, how he started a band called, like, the Milky Way, he, they had one audition performance, they did not do good, because they were, you know, a bunch of hippies going to, like, a country bar, and, yeah. you know, at noon, and just to, to, to show this, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and they said, like, it was, like, the, they said, like, it was, so it was like twelve o'clock. Like noon, noon was their audition. They went there. The owner and a couple of his buddies were drinking beer, and they kind of looked at them, and they're like, "No, of course, <laughs> of course." The owner's sitting back, just damaging a couple pints. He's like, yeah. get... "Wait, who the fuck are you Honestly, guys?" Right? And it's like, "Uh, dude, we got an audition at 12. Right? Oh shit! Tabanga or Tanga? I have. It's something like Tomaco. that. Tomanga bar or something like that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tobacco. <laughs> but, Maybe uh, it was Tapunga or Topanga. It's, it's something like that. Some somewhere close. If you guys know, throw it in the comment yeah. section. But yeah, like so. But they said like his music, like you know his his really his music career kind of began in '67 when he got out of prison with when he went to San Francisco because everyone was going there because I think it was after the war and. I think they were saying, or it, it, that was where everyone everyone went because it was. It was like the the the, 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 the mecca center to go. Mecca of the, flower power. Yeah, flower power. All everyone, you know, everyone like you know, there was cults everywhere. At every corner, there was someone preaching, something that had people. So he and he's loved that shit. Yeah. yeah. Did LSD the first time in there, and I think that's how he got a little. But um, what's it? Uh, he was he was huge. The the thing that was really big, he. He had learned how to manipulate people yeah. from talking to pimps yeah. in prison. Yeah. So he would. So what he did oh. was he. What he did was he knew that this hippie stuff was going on. He was a little older, so he pretty much yeah. almost went undercover to find people to try and pimp out. Like yeah. you were saying, what was it? Sixty. Sixty-seven is when he got to San Francisco. So probably yeah, probably sixty-seven. Um, yeah. So he he's right in the middle of the melting pot of the flower power movement and the the summer of love. He's undercover trying yeah. to manipulate people to come to what it what's now the family, but what started out is like he just wanted to start pimping. Yeah. Yeah. They said. Wow. Um, I guess that also makes sense in the, how he can get into like so many celebrities' homes and just like talk his way right. through and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so like master manipulator. Yeah. So basically, like, so it sounds like so like so yeah, Charlie like you know he's always been like in and out of you know he had a bad life right, yeah. just didn't have a good life like you know he was never knew his father is at the age of four he saw his mom get taken away by cops and for armed robbery and she was in prison for five years lived in and out of. You know, family and friends, the family and foster cares, and he moved with his aunt and uncle, his cousin in West Virginia. And when his grandma came, so he said that was kind of normal because like, they they loved him. Like he was yeah. he was fine. Not that his uncle's a douche, but I'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they said like so he played the piano as a young boy. Um, you know, like I said, like it was usually church for country music, and he was a like, tiny. Like, he was a tiny like, for his age. He was a tiny man, tiny boy, like. 
like for like a four year old kid, he looked probably like he was two. Like he was just wow. a small, small individual. Like even mm-hmm. when he was, I think he was only like five two. He was a small dude. He was, he was not tall. And that was the stem of a lot of the stuff he was bullied yeah. at a young age because of that. Yeah, yeah he was bullied, uh, raped, a shit ton in boys' really? homes. Yeah, he was raped he, numerous times. He so when he was younger, he lived with his grandparents. Yeah. And his mom used to so his mom met his dad and whatever they had Charlie. His mom used to leave him with his grandparents and go out and party. Mm. Go out with truck drivers and come back, you know, weeks asleep. later. And so she she used to go around and do whatever she was doing, but Charlie lived with his grandparents. Then when his mom got convicted, yep. he went and lived with the uncle. Yeah, uncle and aunt, yeah. Uncle. And the uncle started uh he went to school, got and ridiculed bullied. by the teacher, yep. and bullied. Cried. And then his uncle, after he cried, said, if you're going to cry like a girl, you're going to dress like a girl, sent him to school, and, and dress. cousin's dress, yeah. Yeah. And that's, they say that that's one of the stem, the stemming, um, the, the stemming, the stemming of, of, of him yeah. probably going, like, because, yeah, like, just him going just batshit crazy, right? Because I was eventually going to ask, though, is there a... Definitive moment in time, but I guess it's just a melting pot of bullshit that's happening. Yeah, melting pot of like, yeah, yeah, you know, like your mom being a drug addict, your yeah, not again, not your dad, and then, yeah, like your uncle being, you know, a dick. Mm. And yeah. this, yo, this is the what fucking forties, forties and fifties, forties fifties, right? So back then, it was it was it was like old man up, right? Yeah, like, you know, we're, yeah. and uh, and like to think about it, like you know, for a lot of people. You know, dressing in women's clothing or, or, or men's clothing or, or whatever clothing you choose is a, is a form of expression and helps people to, you know, get in touch with who they are and express themselves. And that's, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. But when it's forced upon you to dress like, you know, to... Goes from expression to oppression. Yeah, exactly. And then it turns into, you know, a, they say that it's very traumatic for young children yeah. to, for that to happen. Yeah, that's, that's their thing, right? So. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. Just, you yeah. know, saying that, you know what, it is a form of extra expression for some people, and we respect that, but Absolutely. when it's forced upon you, that can lead to traumatic stuff. Yeah. Right? And then, um, what else was there? I said, so, yeah, so as a kid, like I said, he, like they said that like he was somewhat, somewhat of a musical prodigy. Like he would just be very talented on playing the piano. Like he has new notes, I think. Like I think he just saw it and just could you know, hear something and then pick it up. Yeah. And like I said, I was telling you guys before we were recording there, um, so he hated going to church, but when he did, like, you know, he would love to sing with the choir mm. and you know be like you know be be a you know just a little kid singing. And you know, he, and they said like um, you know he'd sing with so much just so much emotion, so much gravitas. Mm. His grandma thought that um, that the Lord was descending out of him. Which is, oddly enough, she was wrong. But, you know. But yeah, and then, um, but yeah, so you got we said he was in and out of foster homes. Um, and then, like, I wrote here, like, because, you know, this documentary, like, goes, touches his criminal past, too, like, before, you know, getting murdered. So, like, he said, like, they said Troy was a failure as a criminal. So, in his 20s, so he was like, yeah, so he, he'd get caught. Like, he wouldn't, like, he would, like, you know, he would, he would rob somebody and get caught, like, the next day. He was not good at being uh, a criminal, okay. right? So, he was a failure of a criminal. Yeah, so, like, he was brutal. Because, like, he, it was like, okay, you got out. Boom. Two months later, you're done. Right? So, that's why all the people do it for him. Yeah, exactly. it's like, fuck, man. Like, right. come on. So, it was funny. So, um, so, yeah, so Charlie says, I wrote down here, Charlie was a failure as a criminal. And these are someone's words, not mine. So, uh, <laughs> just to clarify, clear it up, family, do not come for us. <laughs> uh, so, by, uh, by his 20s, he was like, you know what? I want to be a pimp. 
Which is then I think you know I think how you're saying he yeah, he met pimps at prison. And, oh, I don't, don't want to do that. He wasn't good at pimping at all. The girl like he he could he would barely he could barely hold on to any girls because they just were not like they would you know they'd be with him as but then go to leave because he just didn't control them. Um, but then I think that helped him like I said like and I'll over this like for the girls he and I, you know he touched on a little bit like the girls he wanted like he preyed on the girls who were bent or uh, or cracked but not completely broken so he could then he could you know still still kind of bend to his will yeah mm-hmm. and then but. Then also he was married. Did not know that. Really? Yeah. yeah. He was married in the, the 50s to some waitress. Mm-hmm. Didn't last long because he went to prison for 10 years for fucking pimping in New Mexico. Surprised. Yeah. And like stealing cars and yeah. driving them over state lines right. and then yeah. turning into federal offenses yeah. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, we went from like a, yeah, like a state law to a federal law and that's why he got dinged I think one time and then yeah. yeah. And then the one time, the reason why he went to prison for like the 10 years was he was in New Mexico trying to be a pimp again and yeah, they're like, no. And it was like, I'm pretty sure they said it was pretty quick. They yeah. knew they, they, they knew this was happening. Like, okay, it's strictly. Yeah. I just like to put out a recommendation that if people are interested in how good or manipulated pimps are, there's a really great autobiography written by Iceberg Slim called The Pimp. It's all about his upbringing in the 40s as a pimp in like New York era. And it just talking to other pimps at the time and how they built their empire. It goes to show, and looking into Manson, that it's clear as day how he can get people. Mm-hmm. So it's like one thing. I'm off topic a little bit. Not really though. It's about pimps. Do you think they wear like the hats? Like and like you know, like, you know, like, 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 you know I was wondering. Like, I mean, I'm just imagining Charles Manson in his yeah, like, famous like, photo. I can't. Like, I can't even. Like his tongue out, and he's like. And he's got like a big hat with a feather on it. Got like the fur. Yeah, and he's walking down. He's like. Right, let me get the cover uh, of this book up. I want to see. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because like, I know he's wearing. Like, I know because you know, in, in every type of media, that's what a pimp looks like. Yeah, I've never seen a pimp in my life that I know of. I probably have. Dude, well, I think like, that's the seventies. But let's be moment. honest, right? Everything's cooler back then. Nowadays, True. it's just boring. Now it's like we both, we all are probably in pimp attire. <laughs> There's no pimp attire. Like, oh shit, dude! You got to pay seventy dollars for the pimp uniform. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose them has the clothing, just not the hat. That's see, that's like because it, it's the so it's him. the suit. Yeah. It's like the nice. You look. You like, look a professional, right? Yeah. You look. Yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> professional. Oh, he had he had a hat. Whoa. Yeah. He had a but hat. But like not like not the, the not the not, like you know like, like the one that you go to like. Like the we, Halloween store yeah, and like yeah. it's the pimp costume yeah. and it's like yeah like the Rick got James. the hat on. <laughs> it's like it's like. Like this? Hands, yeah, yeah, and it's, and and they're always it's like whatever color they are, they're bright. So if it's green, it's a bright green. Yeah. If it's pink, it's bright, like hot pink. If it's orange, it's orange. Blue, it's that baby blue. It's red, it's probably fucking blood red. I might actually look into that, see if that was more pop culture changing that and because they glorifying it. Honestly, yeah. honestly, right? It is interesting to see, right? So then um, back. What I was kind of saying, I, I didn't write down the prison that he was in, but he he went to he was in a supermax prison, but then he, for good behavior they took him to not too far from San Francisco to another prison. Sure, wrote down, but I'm an idiot. Anyway, so but for good behavior, and then that's where he was playing the guitar all the time, where he met a actor who was there named Phil Kaufman or Kaufman, and uh, you know he. You know, he, he would see Charlie's playing guitar and say, hey, this guy, this guy sounds pretty good. And he said that apparently he sounded like uh, Frankie Lane, 
who was like a jazz kind of like kind of like a Frank Sinatra. Apparently, he was like you know he was super big in the forties. So he says he says he sounded like him, and that's how they both kind of connected and mm. and uh, yeah. So like yeah, and then he said yeah, he would said he'd play the guitar and excuse me. Oh, I found him. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, Jackson. And um, yeah, so he says yeah. So he, and then he was the one who got him in touch with people in in, in L.A. Right? Because he was like yeah, being an actor and knowing everyone. He's like hey, yeah. I think he. I, could be wrong. I think he said he was the one who got in touch with um, either Terry Melcher or uh, Brian Wilson. I think I want to say Terry Melcher sounds right. He somehow or he knew someone who knew Terry Melcher. He knew someone who knew him or something. Like he was he was a stepping stone that got got him into the um, studio. Okay. But yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of like my little rant on the thing. One thing that's kind of fucked is about the murder. So. So, so, so after the two murders happened, so after Sharon Tate and uh, the La Biancas, yeah, they said you couldn't find a gun in L.A. for the life of you. Really? All the shells were gone. And then they said that guard dogs that usually would go for 100 bucks were now going up to as high as $2,000. Yeah. Wow. Because people uh, were just so scared. Frank Sinatra left the state. He left. Like, when I say that everybody in L.A. was shaking... Mm. And when we said last, if you listen to the last podcast, I Sharon, like Sharon Tate's sister said, this was the time where LA had completely changed. Mm-hmm. It's when the fucking gates started going up and closed off and all the shit. When we say that, it, this, it shook LA to the core. No more going out that much and no more going out to like the El Coyote and a regular, you went VIP sections and all that shit. Mm. This is, that's where this shit all started because, you know, no more picking up hitchhikers on the road because, you know, this is 60s, 70s now. Like, 60s, you're getting into it, but going in now to the 70s is Mm -hmm. where you get a lot of these cults out of nowhere. Like, you look, it's, it's fucked. It's insane because out of nowhere you get the Manson family, mm-hmm. you know, Jonestown. Like, these are all in the 70s yeah, and 80s. Totally. Like, it's like, it's, it's weird. It's, it's fucked. And, like, cause, and before they knew that who it was, right? They said the press read a print that, like, this was just um, reasoning throughout this murder was just drug filled orgies or, uh, say, yeah, or, say, and satanic cults. Yeah, because mm-hmm. this, the Manson family and the Manson murders, that was essentially the end of the hippie era. Right, yeah. Yeah. That, that caused like a whole shutdown. That was, too, yeah, right? that was just yeah, and then the whole end of an era, really. Like, yeah. of, like you know, how like what's going on in Hollywood, like how basically the end of that era, at the Hollywood scene, but also to, I think the end of the innocence, at the end of yeah. of tr- you know being able to trust people. Now you yeah. can't because yeah. you don't know if fucking you, you don't know, know if they're gonna come gonna kill you, right? And yeah, it just it just fucked, and they kind of going back into it yeah. like, again, like. Then early December, that's when they fi- kind of figured out who did it. Yeah. And then so, the, or at least that's when um, Charles Manson's name was was getting pushed into. I think I think they said like December, like early to like December first, the third, like early yeah. early December, first week. They said early December of 1969. There was a story that sta- uh, stated, or sorry, not states. A story started to come out. Um, the reasonings uh, the Manson may have committed his crime was that he was trying to either kill or get even with Terry Melcher. Because mm-hmm. that was Terry Malter's house. Yeah. Because that's what not. Because I think in the movie he says it was Terry here, right? Yeah. So. And I didn't know who the fuck Terry was. And yeah. Now it's like, what? And I think you told me, but I still like who. And now it's like, what? I'm like, oh, now. 
Oh, now it all uh, now it all lines all up. lines up. It's like because Terry Melcher owned that house, and uh, Sharon and Roman took or, over or the or lease. Yeah. yeah, so Terry was living there. He knew Terry was he knew Terry was living there because he went there. See, Ooh. but it changes all the time. Did he did he actually go to the house? Because in the last podcast that we did on the matter, I said that he did it. Yeah, but I looked into you it on another on another source and they said that he didn't but then this source says that he did yeah, so you never know saying that he was, he went up and asked. i think you knew or i think you knew the house i think he knew and yeah. i think i don't know if he i don't know if he went I, hey we apparently did apparently that's what i hear and then other sources say he didn't like it's it's, it's a hard. total mix-up of like well speculation says this and this this and this because like, also one thing that uh, mike dorsey goes into this uh, documentary saying that Everyone in Hollywood wants to be somehow associated with these murders by saying, oh, that could have been me there. Oh, this was a party going on. There was no party, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Like, everyone's adding their own two cents, even though they had no part of it in it whatsoever. Right. And, and it I, shows you the deep-seated narcissism mm-hmm. of, a, of, mm. of a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, again, I don't know how true this is or not, but they you know, talked about, like, you know, that, of course, the scene that once upon a time in Hollywood, when he goes up, it's just, oh, it's Terry here. Apparently, like, like you know, how like calm and all nice. Apparently, mm-hmm. he was bull. Like, he was pissed. He wasn't like he would go in there and like he was angry. Mm-hmm. And that's when, um, Jay Seabury opened up. Was like what? You, it's like uh, no, or no, it wasn't Jay. No. It was somebody else. No, it was the photographer. No, yeah, that photographer, was yeah. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's like, and then yeah, he's like, "Where is Terry?" And it's like he doesn't live because I think I think he was high, um, Charlie at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "He doesn't live here." Like, no, like this is now the yeah, Polanski yeah. residence. Like, you know, but, and then that's when. Sharon Tate came out and he didn't say anything to her, but like, they locked eyes, which is yeah. fucked. Locking eyes to basically the person was going to kill you. Because yeah, I think oh, yeah. speculation on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think the reason why they would have changed that to him being all calm and nice is this is the only time Charles Madsen has seen the film. You want to show his approachable side. Yeah, sure. Because if you because if you show him as a violent maniac right at the back, you're like, why the fuck are these people staying with this wrong? Like, yeah, and, and I think. It's one of those things where you're playing at the opposite because it makes it more mysterious and, and creepy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if he's coming up like wow, ah, then you got to blow. Then you got to you have a blown up scene. Yeah. Whereas if he comes in a little bit more chill, yeah, it makes okay, it eerie. It's Harry, yeah. No, it's, no, it's all, dang it. All right. Yeah, and I I wonder what the change was because, you know. <sighs> Maybe was, yeah, maybe. The change to Jay Sebring instead of the photographer. I mean, Jay Sebring in himself was a guy who literally ran men's hairstyling in Hollywood. Mm. He was the guy to go to. Jim Morrison, fucking uh, who else? Steve McQueen. I mean, like he he was the guy who started Bruce Lee's career. Yeah, we want. We're talking about Bruce Lee. He he said they were looking for somebody who did karate, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, to launch a spinoff of Batman. Yeah. To do a spin-off of Batman, and he goes, oh, "Shit, you know what? This guy, he uh, he helped out with the Wrecking Crew, and you see in the once upon yeah, a time he's, he's yeah, helping out yeah. Sharon Tate. That's, cool. That's actually where. So Jay came in, saw him doing that. He's like, go check out this guy, Bruce Lee. He hmm. does all. He's like, he's really talented. Bam, he's Kato in the Green Hornet. Yeah. So you know he's connected hugely yeah. to a lot of. Everybody here is really connected to the. The movement of the of the sixties and, yeah. and the huge um, the web of Hollywood 
the the degrees honestly it's the it's a really a perfect name when you get into it it's like holy shit honestly so I guess now we're gonna move more into like the timeline of the murders going on mm-hmm. uh, I, I before that I just want to ask uh, ask your guys opinion on it because you said about the different cults that were popping up around in your opinion do you think they these are all again I don't know the timeline I'm still new to history of the US the cults there <laughs> is it all us, do you... us doing like we're in history <laughs> we're like, yeah I, I don't really do that oh, <laughs> <laughs> but all these cults popping up around this time do you think they're all isolated events or do you think that the mass publication of the news after the Manson family that spawned off a different sex of the hippie movement going into different forms of I guess I'd say uh, manipulated love you put that down for me <laughs> so I think I know what you're getting at it, 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 is it was it the the big um, starting point for a lot of the cult yeah. action the that media, happened the in the attention? 70s or yeah like, like media attention of the Manson family Mm. Did that then mm. Mm. spawn off multiple other? I don't think so. So like copycat killers in the sense. I think like, I think, fucked. I think okay. it didn't fucking hurt at all. No, it, to it, get that, yeah. it helped. If you wanted to be somebody, this was a way to do. It. That's why you get copycat killers too. But yeah. personally, like the rise of infamy, almost. Yeah, and and for me, I think there's a lot of a lot of speculation what was going on. I mean, at this time, the U.S. government came out and. In public documents, after you know multiple um, requests uh, for freedom, information mm. acts, and stuff, that during this time they were trying to find truth serums. This mm. is called MK Ultra. They were testing with high doses of LSD and and you know using it and dosing people without them knowing. There's a lot of beliefs like Whitey Bulger was involved. There's beliefs that Manson was involved and was actually a CIA operative. Mm. There's all of these conspiracy theories and stuff, but um, I think that may, maybe something to do with it. But I think, I honestly think that it comes from a place of, I don't know, like a, a yin and yang, like yeah. the, the summer of love. And then it turns into a bunch of people who know how to manipulate and want the money, the power, oh, yeah. and, and, and Everything. the big thing that also we're seeing a lot of now, and it's rife in all our, our, our culture, fame. Yeah. We, yeah. Everybody oh. wants the fame. Everybody wants notoriety. They want to be, they want to mean wanna be, something to everybody. Yeah, they want to be, they, they be that big guy. They don't, and they, they don't give a shit what they have to do. And, and, that, and, and the, the dog I've watched, again, that's why it's, that's why I kind of want to watch now the doc you guys watched mm. to see now like him before like craziness and then him after yeah. or during craziness right Cause, and I think you guys should watch the one I saw too yeah I'm, I'm definitely going to watch that one when I saw it a couple I think when did it come out it had to come yeah, out 2020 like, I think it's 2019 like not too long like ago. a couple months ago because mm-hmm. I saw it and I was like oh I gotta watch that and then of course as everything on Netflix happens there's like yeah. oh okay yeah I'll watch it later but definitely like yeah definitely like give it a watch because yeah and that was all the moment I was like, "Oh, you're gonna watch this movie." I'm like, I don't. I watch just where it's gonna have all the scene. Right. No, it's just watch. I'm different. I can bring it to the table. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's interesting. But too. uh, with this? I didn't know I was going with this. <laughs> but I think one thing is to also keep in mind around the hippie movement and around this era, you do also have a lot of veterans coming back from the Vietnam War. Yeah. with shell shock. Yeah, and, and, and that is also a big thing. A lot too, where yeah. Yeah, a lot of people who didn't want to. 
they didn't want to deploy, had to deploy. And there's yeah, thousands and thousands of guys, yeah, who had to go, who now were wanting to find some, I think, wanting to find a safe haven. I think, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. San Francisco was a good place because they said all the hippie movement, the flower power was there, and and the U.S. was yeah. really fighting each other during that yeah, time. Yeah, because yeah, Chicago had their protests, and mm-hmm. then there was, I think, no one's. Did they have any protests? Uh, it, 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 it was protests everywhere happening around the world. It was, around, it was, it, there was a lot of questions as to why the U.S. is in the Vietnam War, what yeah. is happening. There was a lot of fighting about that. And then, you, you know, the veterans are coming back. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, it created a very volatile situation in the United States at that time where it's like, you know, veterans are saying we served our country. And then people are also saying, well, why are you there? Yeah. You did terrible things over there, and what's there what's no the need. cause? Yeah, there was no right? need to go there. So I haven't looked into the Vietnam mm. War too much. I haven't yeah. looked into a lot of the stuff there. I, I'm, I'm thinking that I want to kind of dive in and see what happened yeah. there a little more. Yeah. Because I think it really does define that era oh, of absolutely. changing the, the, the free love, the... The po- mm. the positivity around, I think that really changed it. And also, I think another thing to mention is, uh, if you want to see a good reflection of the U.S. at any point in time, just look at the horror movies that are made around mm-hmm. them. Because in 1974, we have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And that's all about kids fleeing the city, going to a small farmland, small hideout, yet they're killed on American ground. Mm-hmm. And it's just reflecting on you're not even... I think that's the first one going... You're not safe from the people in your own country. Aren't all the horror country. movies in America, though? Hmm? Aren't all the horror movies? But it, it's all about safe? outside invaders coming in, whereas this is the first real one where it's like, no, it's... these are people born in the. Yeah, when was fucking when was Michael Myers and Jay? Oh no, he was in. Those Jason. are like eighties or eighties. Eighties, yeah. Thought... Jason came out in nineteen seventy nine, eighty there uh-huh. because fucking everybody's got their shorts hiked up their right, neck yeah. and Kevin Bacon's running around so as like it, a twenty so year old so man. Was it, Texas Chainsaw Master was the first. Like at home killer, like then he was like the it was like the, the big the big one like the big name right yeah. like the biggest like the he took over because it was a new because that was when the new generation of horror started that mm. new like yeah, when a was, lot of people were like this is disgusting and all this like the real stuff. slasher flick started with yeah it's the big ones yeah but yeah man yeah like Spawn Ranch the whole thing like Spawn Ranch was like again it was like a humble fine place at first like he just where you went. Because he, it was a place that started off where he was just preaching about love yeah, and community love and, and, every, you know, and then it got fucked. Because then I think I forget the guy's name, but he was one of like the one of the main other dudes in it, in 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 his family. It was like the other main guy. It's and we talked and he. I think they mentioned that one part. I forgot we were. Starts with a B. I don't know. Like I want to say his last name's like Bolognese or something. It's not that, but it's Bobby Bolognese. Somehow. Bobby. He was, he was I think I know who you're talking about. Bobby, all I know, he was more talented than Charles, which Charles didn't like. Bobby. I think that's he, who he's... He, 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 was a better, he was a better musician. He was a young boy. He was a young kid. He was like 18, 19, yeah. I think, when he first met. Maybe, it may be Bobby. Was he the guy that got in his studio time and all that? Or was it... I think Bobby was the guy who the first murder that happened. He was the guy who... Yeah, he was the first one who killed the guy. Bobby yeah. Boo... It's... uh the B. Blaine or... Bussolini. Bussolini. Bobby Bussolini, because I remember it sounded yeah. like Bobby Boucher from Waterboy. Yeah, I remember Bobby that Bobby Bussolini. Bussolini. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Um, he was the guy who took him in and, and murdered him. Yeah, yeah. But French yeah, last name, beautiful son. Yeah, apparently, uh, apparently, like, yeah, like, I think Charles got jealous of him or something because he was getting the girls. He was getting, yeah, I think, I think, 
they, they 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 touched about him a little bit in the in my doc, but yeah, like he was yeah, like apparently he was a better musician than him. He was, I think he was, I think he was all in all a better human being that he was. Not better, but you know what I mean. He had more more. Um, he had more show off power. Yeah, he had more, more of the 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 talents that yeah. uh, Charlie wanted and looked up to. Yeah, and I, but I think Charlie had the silver tongue. Like he knew how to fucking just charm the pants off a fucking rattlesnake. And the problem is, is if you listen to some of fucking Charlie's music, it's good. It's good. It's he's good. got a half decent voice, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, yeah, "This yeah. is kind of eerie, man." Right. I feel like I'm like. <laughs> That's how it got him. <laughs> Why it's like all nervous? He's like, am I part of the family? Now? Like, <laughs> after I'm like, how can I kind of play my guy? Hold on. Why? You're not fucking crazy. Cause you know he's a bad punk person. But like, would you go and listen to him sing? Not now. <laughs> but before but like, the murder. Before the murder, absolutely. You, before the LSD kind of kicked in, he yeah. started, you know, kind of, you know, during firepower. Sure, because like I said, like. And that's what he would do. Like, he would forget the chick's name. I'm going to have a look it up because it's pissing me off. But, like, because that's how he would get them to stay at Spawn Ranch. He would, uh... Maybe, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Um, he would, uh, he would, you know, they would come and then he would, like, they would have a cup, like a bonfire. He would grab his guitar and he would just sing. And he would look at these girls and they would, like, and then later on, down the line, like that was when Spawn Ranch was all nice. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he'd start dosing all of his followers. Yep. And he would be sober. So he'd put, so we're sitting down, he'd put LSD in the drinks, be totally sober, and then reenact the uh, crucifixion. Yep. To make oh. himself look like Jesus. And he'd talk about all this helter skelter stuff and all this stuff. But that's what would happen. Griffin's in the kitchen right now making weird faces. Griffin? I walked in at a really weird point. Griffin? Yeah? Hi. Hey. So, What's up, Doug? So, like, you know, the manipulation doesn't just come from, oh, yeah, you know, he's manipul- he, he's t- t- in touch with your emotions. No, 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 no. He is creating new neurological pathways via drugs to where it's starting to recreate the way that you think about this man. And that's where we introduce the idea of Helter Skelter, the idea that the Beatles are talking to Charles Manson and that they want him to be the new Messiah to the point where he telegraphed, like he, he thought that they were saying, Hey, Charles telegraph, telegraph the Beatles. And he was making all these weird uh, connections between uh, Revolution Number Nine and Revelations Number Nine, mm. Chapter Nine, and all this stuff. And you get into the 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 deep. Uh, That's that Bob. Creepy. By name, right? Bob. Fucking Bushami. Not Bob Bushami. Bushami. Right. That's the guy. I think that's the guy. It's hard. Steve Buscemi's listening to this podcast. Sorry, right? They're like, you. what the hell, guys? Sorry, <laughs> Steve. It's not your brother, but you know what I mean. It's, what the fuck is this? Mussolini. 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 I got to be quick, but okay, well, I don't know. What do we? Where do we want to go from here? Do uh, we want to just go strategically through the timeline now of like? Yeah. While you're peeing, I've got Revelation chapter nine, so I'll just read parts of that out just so we know what he's basing it off of. So it starts with. Um, the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. 
The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss, and now the smoke locusts came down to the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. Uh, small like that. Uh. Oh, here we go. They were told not to harm the grass of uh, the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Oh, that's why they got the little yeah. the Nazi. Mm-hmm. Well, it, was, it wasn't it was the Nazi symbol first. It, it was, was just the X. The, the X. And then it turned into the swastika. It's oh. weird, man. But mm. also, like, not like the swastika, like, in Aztec, that was about... What the fuck? That was, wasn't that about like, was, pros- prosperity or something? So the, the Aztecs used that the, symbol as... It was used originally for... Um, positive reasons in yeah, a lot yeah. of cultures but then I think the Nazi party flipped it yeah. backwards yeah. or something so it meant something evil or something they thought it was positive because in ancient Greece it was the symbol for eternity and stuff like mm-hmm. that like it was the symbol for good or positive yeah. stuff and then because it, it was in ancient China too and stuff mm-hmm. like that okay. yeah because it was all over the place and then Nazi Germany took it and flipped it upside mm. down or backwards or something happened. Really backwards. Mm. Yeah. And then it became negative. Yeah, there were all our members like opening up a textbook in grade eight and seeing that in the Aztecs. I'm like, what the fuck? They had Nazis? Mm-hmm. I was wrong. They didn't have Nazis back in the fucking Aztec days. Because, you know, that wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And then, like, yeah, the Spawn Ranch started going downhill because then, like, bikers started to show up. It was a gang that showed up Ooh. and would like frequent there all the time, and that scared off I think a lot of like the good people. Wow. And um, I forgot to put a washer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who uh, didn't see what just happened or couldn't see because this is an audio podcast, why aggressively grab Vector and throw him in the bathroom right now? <laughs> I mean. If we really do want to get into the Manson murders, not just in 69, I mean, if, we, if we're going to talk about these murders and, and everything about them, we really got to look at what Hollywood was before mm. and what it became. You know, Hollywood before, you'd fuck. Sharon Tate picked up hitchhikers on the side yeah. of the road. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't, if that's not enough for you, I mean... You know, it it all started to fall down during that hippie movement, and I don't know what happened. I really don't. Was it drugs? Was I it think, anything? I think parts. I think part of it was drugs. And it was just like it was the end of of the innocence, or, mm. or one of the ending. The sixties to me is a time period where innocence started decaying. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. the murder of JFK. We have right. racial tension between. Um, people and and riots and and all yeah, that stuff which we'll get back into with the mansons mm-hmm. with all that absolutely and and then you also have you know manson murders and you know the vietnam war happening and all this stuff that's just like you know you have the one thing that sticks out to me the rolling stones concert where you know there's hell's angels killing people in the audience like this is all stuff that's going on in the 60s in the early 70s mm-hmm. like this is a very volatile time for the United States. It, in the 50s and 40s and 30s, I mean, like, L.A. was a very... It was a time of, like, you only knew what they wanted you to know. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it was a, a, a very um, 
the golden age, quote unquote, of Hollywood, where you only knew what they wanted you to know, and it was the way they wanted it, and that was it. And a lot of seedy shit went down, and all that stuff, and and they were untouchable for a while. And then when the Mansons came in, it fucking turned into, oh my god, somebody off the street can hop your fence and stab you. Yeah. And kill you. And that's when, you know, Sinatra left. And everybody's going, no more parties happened in L.A. It wasn't open door policy to all these, you know, artists anymore. It was like, get the hell away. I don't know who you, you know. Close the door, grab a gun, and find a gun, and yeah. Because, I mean, in the, in, in the 60s, I mean. And, and just see how foreign concept, like, the idea of that happening is. A lot of people heard the murders happening. Yeah, didn't think anything of it. You're like, oh, it's okay. I wonder what that was. Mm-hmm. It was Which it's fucked. You yeah. think you hear screaming and people yelling for help? You would think, 911, yeah, my neighbors are yelling uh, for helping you. And it's in a canyon. Like, yeah. Cielo drives in a canyon. So all you can hear is the reverberance of gunshots and screaming. But right. it's, nobody wants to yeah. get involved. Right. And it's also of, if you're on the age of innocence you hear that happening it's like well they're probably shooting a movie yeah that's probably what's happening oh let's go back to bed it's it's wild man like looking at it it's like the city of Hollywood has always had a very like in its past it's always had a very dark undertone Mm. for everything that's bright in that city there's always dark undertones there's always people who um, you know they die to stomach ulcers but Undercover, there's something else there. Yeah. Very um, weird circumstances that have happened in that city. And I'm sure that happens all over the world. It's just not broadcasted like it would yeah. yeah. in, in Hollywood. It doesn't feel unfortunate. That's where everyone's entertainment comes from. Mm-hmm. And th- that's the truth of it. I mean, like, we, we t- we're talking about, you know, Jay Sebring and, and the, the murders. He lived in a house where um, a man named Paul Byrne, who worked at MGM, built the house in 1930 and died in it two years later and it's suspected that he was murdered but it's ruled as a suicide I mean how many of those in LA during not just the 30s not just the 40s not just the 50s even now like even now like how many of those happen how many of those suspected suicides but also there's a little bit of a tinge of murder there how many of those are there I think there's there's millions I I, I think so happens you know depending on who depending on who is involved right and money uh, Mm. money goes a long way right and it's not hard to like a, also, if you look at the fifties in Hollywood, that was the uh, the fear of communism coming in. Like all the writers were labeled as communists, and they were trying to be kicked out of Hollywood because of it. Even though no, we just want fair pay. Yeah, it's it, the the change in the industry that happens in between these years, in in between these decades, is is astronomical. The differences because you look back at. We were talking about Black Klansmen. The first blockbuster yeah. was a racist, you know, depiction of... of the, birth of a nation. Like, to, to, to change from that to now, like, in these past decades, it's like, the what, uh, what the business has changed to and realizes, like, holy shit, the stuff that we've done in the past is horrible. And then it's also the public looking at it now and going, holy shit, the stuff that, you know, people did back then is horrible. But then it's also the stuff that we do is horrible now. Like, four years later, we look at a movie that we made. And it's like, holy shit, that's kind of offensive to people. Yeah. And, like, 
it's a learning thing, right? But the change in Hollywood that that has happened over the over a couple decades has been really like I don't know. I don't know where I don't know, man. Like it's been a very slow, I think. Yeah. It's like they know they need trains, but it's like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Right? Mm-hmm. Because like you think about it, when when was Birth of the Nation made? Like in the nineteen fifteen. Fifteen, right? And so that that's like, if you think about it, that's not that fucking long 105 ago. Years, 106 years ago. Right? Like, that's, it's like, and, you know, absolutely, that was terrible. Mm-hmm. But, but like, from now, it's like, that time, probably the 60s when it kind of got a little better. Because how long were they still doing Blackface for after that movie? Probably until the, I'd probably say until probably the 70s. For depending on the movies, until the, until the 80s. Have you ever seen Soul Man with fucking C. Thomas Howell? He does blackface in that movie. There you go. I mean, technically 2006 with Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Right. But, so like it's so. It, yeah, it's the 1980s that it really came to an end. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's, so it's it's kind of fucked. So it's like from the 15s, 1915 to 1980, kind of was like super racist when it comes to you know if you're not white. Sucks to be you, kind of thing. Mm. Still is like that, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, then, then, then the 80s happened, and I think people started to realize. I think, oh, I think the older generation started dying, and then their kids, kids were like, "Okay, this is not right." But that's a back about that. That's a different conversation for a different not, day. Not really, because if we really, because if we look at racial intolerance, it goes right into what Charles Manson was trying to do. Like all of the murders were centered around trying to kickstart a race war yes. between the white and the blacks. That's sure. that was his intention. I mean, we're talking about Hollywood, and I'm, I'm a believer that that um, you know the public really decides. Mm. You know, like especially nowadays where you can decide to change fucking what Sonic the Hedgehog looks like in a movie. Yeah, like the public really does decide now what is deemed okay. You know what I mean? And I think that that is that is a a a hefty sword to bear as the public, mm. you know, and, you know, it's like, what's okay, and, and trying to also figure out if it, if it's going to hurt anybody. And, and like, the public can end a career now. Yeah. Like, well, that cancel culture. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the sword that the public bears is, is large and in charge. Mm. And that's it. And, and this, more, this time more than ever, we're seeing it. Yeah. I mean, like, you think about you know past decades it's like just the 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 unacceptance of a lot of people mm-hmm. and now the acceptance that we have in hollywood but still it's like there's still shit that we don't know about a lot of people oh, yeah you know, there's, there's still, still stuff behind doors right it's all that behind door shit we don't and, see and we won't see no and unfortunately that's hollywood and and we've opened the doors on some of it and it's fucking disgusting mm-hmm. you know and that's probably just the fucking. That's probably the tip just the, of the iceberg. The exactly. Right? Who knows how you know? Who knows how deep and fucking dark, dark that fucking hole is when you get when you open that. Fucking oh my God. I suggest if you guys are interested in old Hollywood, go check out the Netflix miniseries Hollywood. It stars Jim Parsons, and and countless other actors who just do a phenomenal job, and it goes into the the underbelly of Hollywood and what what happened during that time. I think it's in 47, 48. Just, just seeing what people did and to get into Hollywood, oh. to get into the pictures. Like, it's, it's, an, it's, it's really, 
really insane and, and some of it's really um really sad but i mean we look at at this time like everybody seemed to be connected if you knew one person you knew everybody yeah. and i think that comes from the party aspect of of that part of history i mean yeah you know we have Jay cut Jim Morrison's hair, Adam West, Steve McQueen. Like we said, Steve McQueen came over to Jay's house and swam in the pool. Like, big parties. And, you know, they... I mean... I know that Sharon and, and Roman, they lived in, in uh, London for a while, but then they came back to Hollywood and lived right on Sunset Strip in Chateau Marmont in 5D with their dog, Mr., or uh, Dr. Saperstein. I was like, that's. It's like, you know what? Fair enough. That's kind of a funny name. Uh -huh. But, I mean, the, 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 I don't know, man. Like we're, we're talking about Dennis Wilson. He's the drummer of the Beach Boys. He died in '83. He was, uh, he was drunk and he fell off of his boat in Marina del Rey, California. And some say that it was suicide. Some say that he was unfulfilled by the music business and that he didn't have enough create, like he had creativity, but he just wasn't feeling fulfilled from it. Yeah. Some also say that it was, um, it was because of his connections to the Manson family and the murders that happened that where he felt a little bit responsible. And it's, it's amazing what the human mind can do mm -hmm. with just that. You know what I mean? Like it's amazing what the human mind can tell itself. Yeah. Right, but I mean, there's so much shit around this story. There's so much hearsay, and like we were saying earlier, everybody wants to be connected. Everybody wants to have a little piece of their story. Oh, I met Manson. I I met Manson at the gas station once. You know what I mean? Like it's it's everybody wants a little piece, mm -hmm. right? And that's it. So so a lot of this stuff, you never know if it's the truth or not. Again, but uh, before we started this podcast, I asked Tucker how much of the documentary you watch was factual because I haven't, I don't, I haven't done much research into Manson and the family myself. And you were saying like a lot of what he touches on is speculation, but he does have a lot of facts. But again, the stuff that he says he's not clear on is just speculation. Yeah, like one big one for me that I I really was interested. in, I'm a huge fan of James Dean, and he. They speculate that this that this gas station is where they stopped at after the Lobby Anka murders. It's all speculation, but that's also the same gas station James Dean did his final fill-up in L.A. Mm. on the Little Bastard, which he named his small Porsche that he eventually got into the fatal crash with. Mm. I mean, it's a lot of this stuff is speculation. A lot of this stuff has become lore now, mm -hmm. right? So you so you don't know what's real or not, no. right? And that's the struggle. I mean, you know, Manson family members say that Ter Terry Melcher made promises to Manson that he was going to make his record, yeah. that he never came through. Yeah. And Melcher and the people who were around Melcher said that never happened. Yeah. So, I mean, the manipulation of the family is really deep. Mm. And even a lot, of the, a lot of the Manson members believe that they were the ones who thought to do the murder. Like, that's how deep a lot of this yeah. shit is. Like. Yeah. They think that, you know, it was all their ideas, but, I mean... Do you think there's, like, any, like... Like, I know there's still, like, Manson, like, members still alive, but do you think there's, like, the one... Well, I know, like, there's the crazy girls who still are in love with Manson, but do you think they're, like, they... If they have, if they have children, like, they are grown up as, like, a Manson member? 
to the family? Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you think, do you think, do you think it's still, like, like, not as prominent as it was mm-hmm. in the 60s there, but, like, do you think it's, or it's, you know, 60s through the fucking, what fucking took the 90s, probably, if not 2000s, but, like, do you think, like, it's, there, there's still people out there, because, what, does it, wasn't he preaching, like, his, like, you know, like, his family's gonna rise again or something? Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you think that's gonna happen? Like, one day, like, you know, the ones have worth the one of the victims. I mean, I mean, a dog. I'll, I'll say this like, and then we th- people thought of the 1945s Nazi party was finally at an end. We had the rise of the neo Nazis in the US. Mm-hmm. It, like, it doesn't take a lot to become a fanatic, right? Because is fucking is Tech still alive? Yeah. I wonder if he fucking... He's probably in prison, but... He's, he's, they're it's, all, it's only Clem that was released. Yeah, they're all sharing life sentences in prison because they were originally sentenced to death, but it was abolished in 72. Yeah. So Manson lived his entire life behind bars along yeah. with, you know, Kasabian, Atkins, and Tex. Because, uh... Who's the... Like, who's the one who's free who loves? Like, like, is Squeaky. It, it's Squeaky. No! That's a lie. Squeaky's in pen too because she mm. assa- tra- attempted to assassinate uh, the president. Right? Uh, was it Ford? Yeah. She tried to no, it wasn't. But we didn't want to watch a doc. A doc that she was. Wasn't she free? I don't know. Because that said that she was free, but this says maybe she was paroled in between this movie and what we watched. Because that would look like a like a newer like grain of. Because I, I want to say that this came out in 2018. Am I wrong? This came out in 2006. So 2006 and 2021, yeah, so maybe, a lot of shit you know, changed. Good behavior, right? and then maybe, yeah, maybe during maybe she's on. So 2009, her. sorry, I think. Still, it's still. Yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. just that's still. 2000 years. I mean. But, but anyway, yeah, but like, do you think there are people still like out there who are preaching his fucking words of wisdom, apparently, and like? She is paroled she's as paroled. of August 14th, 2009. Who else is free? Can you look up? Do you there? even know the world? Like, you don't even know the world anymore. Like, imagine those people going into jail and then coming out and then showing them a fucking cell phone. Honestly. <laughs> like, they're hey, kind of terrifying. Imagine Charles Manson on Twitter. Yeah. Like, you know, it's fucking tweeting. It's a bunch of fucking blah, 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 shit. It's, it's, yeah. it's a Charles. You don't have to click that. You know, Charlie, like, relax, bro. Yeah. Don't like, not. it's like, bro, relax. Yeah. So, no, I'm fucking Charles Manson. Then. Fucking just crazy. So, Leslie Van Houten's still behind bars. Susan Atkins died of brain cancer in 2009. Oh, no. <laughs> what, she's an asshole. If someone gets offended, I'm sorry, then you're an asshole. <laughs> you're the first one the family's targeting. Out hey, you know what? Come after me, family. Uh, <laughs> Patricia Krenwinkel is still behind bars and I parole in 2017. Which she... Was available for parole in 2017? Did she was up for a book or denied. Oh, good. They constantly, regularly yeah. come up in parole. It's always a big thing. And then people are like, well, maybe they've changed no. it. And then the family, the families of the of the people who were murdered come in and go, no, you know what? They did messed up shit. And they deserve what they got. Yeah. Absolutely. I See? You're the second one. How bad did you die? You know what we'll do? We'll, we'll have houses, we'll, like neighboring houses in L.A., and it's all like we have guns, and we just fucking we can reenact that scene from What's Up on Top in Hollywood. You can be, you know, Rick Dalton, damn stupid, but and uh, be very oblivious to what's happening until someone comes running out, bloody shooting gun, and you get your flamethrower, and then I'll be 
Clip I'm boat. just in the pool, like, swimming around, drinking whiskey sours. Just yeah, having a margarita. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be the dog. Huh? I'll be the dog. Be the dog. <laughs> oh, man. No. I, yeah, fuck. So, Tex, um, he remains incarcerated at the Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego. Been denied parole 17 times, Good. most recently in October 2016. Good. But he runs a Born Again Christian outreach site. Abounding love from prison. The site contains essays and information about faith, forgiveness, and the crimes he committed while a member of the Manson family. Because like it's fuck. Because like, like, like I like I would want to like sit down with him and be like, okay, tell me your story and how fucked you are, man. And just like just just have a camera and let him talk. Don't like just like you know have guards there cooking the courts. But like, what the fuck was it like being like, yeah. during that time? I know he's probably in an assets. I know he probably said, oh, look, you said anything. I forgot. Blah blah blah. It's like, no, no, but like. The fuck was going through your head, like when you did all these awful things. Yeah. Go into detail if you want to. Don't go into detail. It's just like, cause fucked. Yeah. I would, I would ask him what, like what, what made him. Like I get manipulation and everything, but what did the? They got high on meth before they went in there. It's like what percentage of you was actually there? Like yeah. what yeah. percentage? Because yeah. you know when you even when you start drinking alcohol, there's a percentage that stays where you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I do, I don't, I have never done meth, but from my guess, there's probably a little piece of you there. Don't look at me like that. I've never done it. Okay, one time. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. I did not do meth. No, yeah, that would be like, It's like, it's like when, it's you, just that, when you drink or whatever. It, it, there's a percentage of you there. It's, it's your like subconscious. It's always there. Like, hey, this isn't a good idea. Or, I don't know, maybe Matt's completely fucking right. You know what? Let's go down East, East Hastings tonight and ask. <laughs> like, it's one of these things where I wonder, because I've always, as as weird as it sounds, I've always wanted to do that too. Sit down with somebody and just yeah. ask. what, Because you hear a lot of this stuff about, you know, killers and stuff where their eyes roll to the back of their head and they black out. Mm-hmm. And it's like... I wonder what that was for yeah, that. Like as messed up as that sounds. Yeah, no, exactly, no, exactly, right? And I think that's just, I think that's, not even like, you know, people say, oh, that's weird. I don't think so. I think that's fucking just, because us, we, us knowing that we will never be like that. Yeah, especially asking someone who committed probably the most inhumane act. Yeah. And the one of the most infamous mm. murders. murders. Probably, if not the most infamous. Like, I mean, it's, it's something it's that pop culture a lot of these cult cult things they become embedded in pop culture yeah. and things that you you know you you don't even understand half of the the lingo or the slang no. or the or the or the phrases where they come from i mean the manson murders are forever stuck into pop culture but i mean you look at jonestown yeah. when you hear people say don't drink the kool-aid that's where yeah. it comes from yeah. like that phrase i mean like these are all very much embedded in our our culture as human beings, mm-hmm. and I think it stems from our curiosity. I think that's what it is of, of, of that dark, the dark the questions. Because everybody sits down alone and they think, yeah. right? And and it's you know, you think you're like because it, you know you sit down by yourself in silence and you go, what were you thinking? Yeah. Because you're so far away from what that feeling is, yeah. but you're like, how do you even get to that point? Yeah. How do you get there? Yeah. You know, and I think that's the interesting part, and that's what I, I it, you know, I love about acting is 
really sitting down and trying to find how somebody got to the decisions that they've made. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most interesting part of the human being as a whole is just the the brain. Like you were saying once, why the brain's the alien and the freaking person's yeah. just the meat suit walking yeah. around. I mean, you know, not we're too. not uh, we're not humans experiencing life. We're life experiencing what humans are. Yeah. You know, and that's it. Like get all fucking philosophical. I sound like freaking Charlie. Hey, do you guys want to come back to the ranch? Or? Get too late. Nah, dog. Ah, uh, I can't come. No, nah, I got no name shit. Oh shit! Oh no, <laughs> definitely. Wait, what, what, what flavor? I've no name shit. Like orange, grape, blue raspberry. Because you got blue raspberry. Do they do, do it? blue raspberry Kool Aid? That's the shit, dog. Definitely Kool Aid. What? He's English. Oh yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> probably had like, I don't know. We had squash. Oh, squash. Squash. It's like you fill a little bit of squash and then you fill the rest up with water. Squash. It's squash. like highly concentrated juice. Oh, or so you just really? Put, just put a little bit in there, fill the rest up with water, and it tastes like juice. I'm going to try squash. It's good. <laughs> I think I'm going to find a bottle at um, Walmart or something because mm-hmm. they have it in like, the like, international, international section. What? Squash. What else was there, man? Like, fuck. I don't know. I've got the rest of the guys, people, the family here. Okay, yeah. Bobby Beausoleil. Yeah, nerd. He's uh, denied parole in January 2019. Uh, because he was still recommended uh, as a danger to society. Fucking loser. Steve Clem Grogan. Uh, he was granted... Pro- I should probably say what they were also charged with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clem charged with the murder of Donald Shea. Uh, he was granted parole after seven fifteen years for Shay's murder. Uh, he was allowed freedom after telling authorities where they had disposed the body. Mm-hmm. Linda Kasabian, uh, charged with nothing, but she was one of the star witnesses in the trial against the Mansons, claimed she overheard all the plots for the murder, and she broke the, with the family after testifying for the prosecution. Okay, so smart girl, smart girl. Yeah, uh, she's still a voice of spotlight and is reportedly living in a trailer park. But all, all this information, by the way, I am getting from Newsweek.com. Paul Watkins, charged with nothing, not involved with any of the murders, stayed out of prison despite his close relationship with the Mansons and the family by providing information to the police. 1979, Watkins co-wrote a memoir, My Life with Charles Manson. He died of leukemia in 1990. Catherine Scher, charged with small crimes. Uh, She went to prison for a short time for her roles in Manson's lesser schemes. In August 1971, uh... Cher and other members held up a surplus store and stole nearly 150 guns. Wow. Uh, the group planned to hijack a passenger jet and stage a hostage crisis to lobby for the release of Manson and other members of the family. They were going to steal a jet? Yeah. Uh, she did not have a part in any of the murders and was released in 1975. Probably still trying to find that jet. Yeah. After which, became, after which point she became a born-again Christian. Known as one of Manson's ex-lovers, she recently spoke about how the cult leader was comparable to Jesus. Advocated for the family members still in prison, they've just done the work on themselves for years and years and years. Stole Australia 60 Minutes on Sunday. They're just not the same people they were when they went when they were 20 and 18 at all. You know what's fucked? Why does like every psychopath or yeah, become a born again Christian? Because that is like their scapegoat. It's like, God talked to me. No, that wasn't God. That was you fucking probably coming down from a super high. Well, I think it's also programs they run in prison. 
in the U.S. being a mostly Christian country, they probably have a lot of outreach programs there. So it's going, hey, you want to be free of sin? But like, it just seems like they think like, oh yeah, I'm a born again Christian. I whatever I did was, oh, it's all good. I'm a Christian. I'm born again, guys. I'm good. It's like, no, no, you still fucking murdered. Yeah. You still have that guilt. You still like even even if like they did a psyche test and they're again, no, they are a okay now. Still, oh man, sorry, I forgot the key. Lost it. Fuck my dog ate it. Sorry, sorry, fucking Susan Atkins, you fucking gun. <laughs> you are. Not escaping prison. Have some brain cancer and die. I think. Is that rude? Absolutely not, because she's a terrible human being. <laughs> I think. I think it's something that helps people through realizing what they've done. I mean, realizing what you you have done, and then having something I think it helps with people believing that there's something more than what's going on right now mm-hmm. right like it's not just you and me it's everything around it's a big yeah. picture and, 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 and the belief that and the belief that this was the path that somebody made for me mm. I think that takes away a little bit of what you chose to do I think personally that's probably a bit of it don't know for sure yeah. but that's my can, thesis and again be a coping mechanism for that mm-hmm. saying uh, i did this but at least it helped with a b and c yeah Fair and enough. it's like i think if you sit down and you look at you know what i what i think it is is you sit down and you go well this is what he wanted yeah. you know it's almost laying the blame on somebody else or it's even vice versa this is a devil trying to get me but in jail that's when god spoke to me Mm-hmm. That that stuff where you know now I've changed. I mean, the the stuff. I don't know. I don't know, man. So now we got Mary Brunner, Brunner, charged with small crimes. Uh, she went to prison, uh, including indecent exposure and theft. Was paroled in '77. She wasn't involved in any of the murders. Uh, she mothered one of the cult leader's children, Valentine Michael Manson. And was considered the mother of the entire family. After her release from prison, Brenner moved to the Midwest with a new identity, according to the Rolling Stone. Squeaky, charged with assassination attempt of President Gerald Ford. After pointing a gun at the sitting president, she went to prison for life. Briefly escaped in 87 to see Manson, who had been diagnosed with cancer. She returned to prison and stayed there until 2009 when parole was granted. She now lives in upstate New York. And finally, Charles Manson. Dead. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Guys, you guys didn't know. It's a rise. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. James, <laughs> you owe me a Pepsi Zero. Sponsor this podcast. Uh, charged with seven counts of... We've got to get one of those in each of them. Uh, charged with seven counts of first-degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder from the deaths of Abigail Ann Folger. Cannot pronounce that name. Stephen Earl Parent, Sharon Tate... Polanski, J.C. Bring, and Lena Rosemary. Try pronouncing the name. Just so we know. It's going to be botched. Frakowski. Oh, Wojtek Frakowski. Wojtek Frakowski. Lena and Rosemary Labianc. Manson was originally sentenced to death 
But when California rolled with capital punishment, Eddie Gibbs in 1972 was given life up parole. In November 19, 2017, Manson died from cardiac arrest, resulting from respiratory failure and colon colon cancer. I think that's a good place to end this week's podcast. Yeah, we'll end end this week's episode. Part one. Part two will be... This is part two. Part three. Part three. We'll go into more of the actual murders and like now, like now we got all the base of like the murders. Yeah, all that shit. Now we'll go into the murders and what we think. And yeah, we'll watch Charlie Sands. Yeah, we'll watch more dogs and have more for all y'all. Yeah, so join us next week on Cats with Tin Hats. This has been Oliver. Oh, yeah. And Tucker.